This is Josh Allen, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert uh, as we are coming into an interesting, strange week. Hope everybody out there is okay and that everybody's staying healthy and socially distanced from one another and every following CDC, state, local, and federal health officials and their recommendations as we navigate what hopefully will not be a, a um a long period of this new normal in our lives byron what the hell is going on brother man narrowly escaped colorado i was a little bit concerned there that things were getting shut down at the university of colorado in boulder i tried to make a quick trip out there to get a steven montez pro day on the books maybe i was tried really really hard to hound dog lavisca chenault for a interview for roster watch nation instead i only got to talk to him off the record uh for a couple minutes but man that out of nowhere things really started shutting down quick so um just got back uh, home and getting hunkered down for a coronavirus nfl offseason and uh man about to have to to start scouring the earth for toilet paper facial tissue <laughs> baby wipes yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I like my question. I mean, I understand, you know, people wanting to get water or, um, you know, some of these, you know, it's hand sanitizer. I, I get it. Baby wipes, hand wipes. I get it. The whole toilet paper thing just doesn't make make much sense to me. It's why? Like why are people hoarding toilet paper? Twenty percent of the people own eighty percent of the toilet paper right now. Yeah. Well, do, do you know I guess there's to- just there's a concern that I guess that everything at some point is going to just shut down. You know, but it, it certainly is. I I've I've probably I've, a little I've, bit uncalled I've, for. I've read point. about this. There's like there's such a such a huge supply of the such a huge supply of the of the toilet paper or, or such a huge portion of the toilet paper supply chain. You know, comes from North America. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're going to be having any, any real issues with toilet paper. And if we do, do you know whose sales are going to go through the roof? Tushy, right? Because they, uh, because you know that that's the bidet attachment that I have installed around here. And with that, you don't technically really need toilet paper except to to, to pad off afterwards. Yeah, those are sold out on Amazon, I think, right now. Hey, I mean, you know me; I know all about the toilet paper industry, man. That's a former <laughs> former lifetime of mine, and we actually have some. Some old friends who stand to benefit very directly oh, from a massive true. surge in toilet paper sales. Yeah, well, there's always. It is true about the supply chain, though. I mean, a lot of that paper is is manufactured at paper mills in North America, United States, Canada. There are a lot of paper mills uh, right here, in, uh, you know, in North America. So that's that is a a little bit of a silver lining there. <laughs> yeah. Well, glad to um, 
at least you know glad you're glad you're back home everything's fine um let's see uh, we have a bunch of stuff to get to though i mean do you want to talk about the um do you want to talk about like the pro day first do you want i mean wh- where do you want to get started i mean we have the cba news we have uh we have we have everything else just i mean you were at the montez pro day you got to talk a little bit to chanel like maybe we should start there like what what are we what are we what are we thinking from that? I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting that you were even up there for that thing. You were just going up there to try and get Chanel, right? Because you and I hadn't talked about it. Yeah, I was trying to primarily hound dog an interview with him. And I mean, I knew that there was a chance that pro days were skating towards thin ice. And, you know, we like to do these every year and you know, get out on the books, airfare and everything had gotten pretty cheap. So, and that wasn't, it's just, it was a, it was a, um, it was a credential that was, um, you know, uh, easy to obtain. So we just got on the road, wanted to just kick things off, get out on the road with that one and wasn't expecting things to shut down so quickly. But I mean, I'm happy I went to it when we, we've obviously seen Steven Montez at the senior bowl and he was a player who started off kind of hot and then we thought faded over the course of the week, which, you know, you'll hear uh, those who paid close attention to him in college will sometimes echo the same sentiment about his college play that maybe uh, leaving you high and dry sometimes. But here's the fact, man, in today's NFL with the style of quarterback that's being played, I think we saw this with a guy like Jarrett Stidham last year, Alex, who ended up being a fourth round pick. Uh, to the Patriots, a player they actually like there. You know, we've seen fourth round quarterbacks come out of the senior bowl you know, before and, you know, at least have some relevance in the league at the, at at the, you know, the very low end of things. And Montez is a, is a stronger arm guy than a Jarrett Stidham. And he certainly moves around pretty well. So, you know, I I will be shocked to see him go in that round four area in the draft and, you know, have, have a chance to make somebody's roster and, and maybe move up the depth chart in coming years. I mean, he's a guy who's mobile, uh, got good size, seems like a really, really nice kid when you talk to him. I mean, no ego or anything of that nature when you speak with him. And maybe that's a knock at the quarterback position, but certainly doesn't seem like an arrogant or um, uh, egotistical type of, of, of player. And maybe a guy that your his teammates will certainly uh, will like. So I don't know. I was, overall, the pro day was a good one of Montez, Alex. I mean, not near, nearly a ball hit the ground. He was throwing from multiple platforms. It was Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's little brother, who orchestrated and ran the at pro day. Point, I mean, at this point, we just, I mean, Jordan Palmer just deserves to go without that, <laughs> without that quote. I mean, besides being Carson Palmer's little brother, he's probably he's probably the preeminent quarterback specialist at this point. This 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 training these guys. He has a whole huge grip of clients every single year. I'm with you. I in the off chance that somebody's listening is. Right. Just a casual that. NFL fan, you know, just figure I put a little context in there. I'm, I, I, I agree, though. At this point, he's his own uh, entity, right? And so they, there was a, it was a, it was a good passing performance. Where Montez showed that he could throw from different platforms, could hit all the throws from uh, sideline to the middle of field. You know, the seams, the outs. Uh, he could certainly hit the stuff to the deep corners of the field. I mean, I think you saw I tweeted out the one video where it was. Essentially, it was the Patrick Mahomes rep from Texas Tech Pro Day where, you know, he drops back and he's – I don't know if it's a QB waggle, but, I mean, he he drops back and 
changes directions a few times, you know, and then sets up and just launches as far as he can. And wasn't that 78 yarder that Mahomes uncorked in the wind at out in Lubbock, but it was every bit of a 65 yarder uh, with good trajectory and good velocity. So I saw an accurate quarterback in Montez, you know, Alex, I think he's a guy that especially in fantasy because of his mobility is maybe a player just to at least have on the radar uh, and, and could, could be a viable, you know, late round dynasty pick if you're stashing and developing quarterbacks on your dynasty roster. I've been to countless pro days, man. You have to, that was a good quarterback pro day. I watched the clips. It, it's, you can watch them if you're a pro member at rosterwatch.com. They're in the pro day library. Unfortunately, it looks like due to this coronavirus, like we said, we're having just adapt and react what is it? Adapt, react, readapt, act? Is that what we learned from The Office? <laughs> from a, from a Ryan the Temps, uh, uh, various business school classes. Uh, anyway, the um, we're we're having to react with it, man. And I'm I know that a lot of these pro days, pro days were set to kick off this week coming up after this. You know, we have spring break coming up right now this week for a whole lot of people. And it seems like pro days were starting to kick off in earnest that week of the 23rd, right after spring break. We had a whole grip of them on those days, the 23rd, the 24th, the 25th. And what scouts do is they put these in areas to where it's like Florida will be one day, then Florida state will be the next day. And then, so, you know, they can have their regional scouts go through there. They have routes to where, it's easy to get from one to the next. Like you'll you'll never see, you know, Texas A and M and Texas have pro days more than like a day or two apart because scouts like to you know come through Texas and um, not have to come you know come back down. These guys are traveling mostly by car uh, as they you know go go through these go through these various regions on various part various legs of their tours. So there were the whole smatterings through different regions that were that week that we were planning on going to. All of those have now been at least postponed, if not outright canceled. Now the ones that are postponed, some have postponed till, um, till like April 1st, some have postponed until April 15th. It could be that we do get pro days, um, you know, at some point, I mean, but the the thing is, you know, none of us know what's happening with this virus. We don't know what, if we're going to be in a different situation in two weeks from now. God willing, it'll be a better situation. And maybe, um, maybe they'll be willing to open these things back up. Or it could be that, you know, things continue on their current trajectory and people have to stay still hunkered down. And uh, these events need to not be happening just for the national um the national good of of our health, and especially for those who are at, at greater risk of developing serious complications from from this from this illness. So, I, I, it's still up in the air. That like this could be like the Stephen Montez was the first one that we were going to. It like none of the pro days have kicked off yet. They, but I mean, we we're staring at the real possibility that our pro day tour in twenty twenty could be the Steven Montez pro day, which is certainly not the one that we would have, uh, you know, that we would have come into this, come into this saying that we were, um, we were most excited to be at, but I, I do think that he's a, I do think that he's a, a good, uh, interesting enough player. You know, the, the, the thing about Montez was at the senior bowl. Do you remember Byron on the first day? He actually looked kind of good. Right. And he then, sure he st- then he started to look bad. For those last couple of days, and then it's primarily just, because of accuracy issues, right? Yep. Guys, yeah. he hadn't really worked with. I mean, usually you see it go the other way, and throughout the week of practice, so I get it. It was a concern, but I did, I felt like guys that he was orchestrated with at pro day, he was hitting these dudes. 
So let me ask you about just some of these guys. So it looks like we're going to have more, you know, our friend Matt Kelly, the, the, the podfather. Whenever these players like the Corey Davises of the world or um, it seems like there's a few every year, these guys that just do not test, right? For one reason or another, they don't test. They can't test. Uh, he calls them black box prospects because they come into the league. It's like they're this black box. You don't really know exactly what's inside. It could be um, it could be a great surprise. It could be a terrible surprise. I would say with Corey Davis, it's probably been um, probably been a little bit of the a little bit of the of, of the ladder, right? For what we've seen out of him in, in his career. But for people that depend a ton on analytics, um, and you know, a lot for, for these scouts that want to cross check what they have on tape and and just get an idea, something to put on paper about these guys' speed, their explosiveness, their change of direction, their agility. We're not going to get it from, from some of these guys, it looks like. I was going through the list of the rookies who never got a 40 time at the Combine, plus who have not yet had their pro days, meaning their pro days at this point are in flux and look like they might not be. I, 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 I would say, I mean, Byron, would you say that the smart money is on the idea that pro days probably aren't going to be kicking back up in the middle of April. I think by the time you get to that point, the agents would just say, look, Jesus, man, like the draft's coming up in two weeks. You can't risk breaking your foot at some damn pro day. Like, it's, you know, this is it. We've done what we've done. You've put, you've put on the film. You've had the interviews. We've talked with teams. Don't go run at this pro day. Don't, I mean, don't you think that that would even be the case even if teams did try to put on pro days for maybe some of the lesser-known players that are just trying to get out in front of scouts for the first time? I think so. I mean, my expectation is that most of the pre-draft workouts are over unless, you know, and, and honestly, my anticipation is that we're about to have something drop on the NFL draft itself here in short order. Now, the only situation where I could see the workout changing and maybe um, uh, becoming a possibility again is if somehow the NFL draft is rescheduled. I haven't seen anything firm on that yet. That. I mean, have, have you even heard rumors of that? If they can just push I, this I, thing back to May, then, I mean, I could see the timing working. And that way we could still go to Vegas. Probably. We could maybe still go to Vegas. It seems like at this point, the the seems like the ceremonies around the draft, the actual draft itself, it'll still be great television because we're, we're still hearing what players are going to what teams. That's ultimately, ultimately what we want to know, right? It's like Florio said, the whole draft production, it's, it's like, it's crazy. It, it truly is alchemy. They're like, they're making this big product and this big production out of something where they could just be in a hotel conference room, just like we are for our fantasy drafts, just picking the players and moving on to the next thing. It's turned into this mega production that's must-see TV. And it really is out of, truly, there's not really, a, the only event that's occurring is these teams picking players. So... I think that from the TV angle, it's going to be fine. From the interest angle, it's going to be fine. We're going to get our fix of, of the NFL draft and everything like that. I just don't know if we're going to be able to get all the ceremonies and all the big – I mean, they were talking this year. They were, it was going to be at the – what was it going to be, the Mandalay Bay, and they were going to get to take like a boat out to the out to the middle of the uh, swimming pool to get to go shake the commissioner's hand. It, it was going to be awesome, right? It looks like we'll be swindled to that, but if if, if they do push it back – and there's a chance that it could happen. I mean, that does that does sound great. Have you been hearing that that's even a possibility? I guess I haven't really seen that. I mean, I don't want to, you know, propagate anything that's unconfirmed. I've I'm seeing some rumblings that that's that's in the picture. It's in the suite of options. Is that they're 
the draft itself could just be completely rescheduled, which which then could breathe some life back in this whole process. But as of now, Alex, I, you know, of course, I, I'm with you. I just think we have to operate, and our counterparts in the industry have to operate with the idea that uh, the spectacle is probably off in Vegas as of now, and that pre-draft workouts have. Probably come to a conclusion in principle. All right. So, um, what about these guys that aren't going to get to work out at all? We're not going to get forty time. We're not going to get a forty time on J.K. Dobbins. Do you care? Running back Ohio State. Do you care? Not particularly. No. What about Colin Johnson, wide receiver, Texas? Seems like he dodged a bullet. He could have had an. He could have had a little Jordan Humphrey sort of. I thought it was smart for him to skip his combine 40, and I think it's a godsend that he, he, he doesn't have to run at the pro day. The scouts will probably say, look, we see him as a, as a low uh, – or we see him as a guy that's going to run – You know, I said that the over-under on his 40 times should be a 4.65, and those guys that run 4.65 can easily go out there and run 4.71s, 4.72s, which is a pretty disastrous blow, not quite as bad as little Jordan Humphrey was last year out of Texas. But I think for Colin Johnson, it's probably these guys are going to have to rest on their laurels and say, um, you know, we think he's probably about a four six five guy, and that's just where we have to peg him as, as far as his straight line speed. Yeah, it'd be a smart decision for him to tap out after a senior bowl performance. I mean, it was – I would say it was a better-than-expected senior bowl performance for Colin Johnson, at least among what we heard from a lot of our peers. And so that's pretty good way for him to go out. I think he can only – probably be exposed uh through any more testing there's brian edwards from south carolina the wide receiver we knew anyway i mean he he, he wasn't going to do anything because he had the he had the injury right he had the injury so that's like a marquise brown situation from from last year of course we definitely know that uh that marquise brown would have you know, nobody needed to see him run a 40 to know that he was fast. It could, I think it could have done a little bit of something for Brian Edwards. Another guy, KJ Hamler, the, uh, the, the, the wide receiver, um, not going to be able to run, which for him, I'm not sure. It's kind of like, kind of like a Marquise Brown because, uh, Hamler is another one of these guys that's super fast that was expected to be one of these sort of four, two runners at the combine, small guy, five, eight and five, eight, 178 pounds, out of out of Penn State, pretty productive for his team too. Also, uh, a, a dynamo in the return game. Speaking of dynamos in the return game, we have Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky that we're not going to get a forty on, which sucks because that guy looks like a Swiss Army knife type of player that could be interesting in a lot of ways, fantasy wise. And if we just look at his at his rushing plus uh, plus his uh, return yardage during his career at Kentucky. He is the best all-around, um, you know, the best all-around uh, athlete. Whenever we consider, when we consider those things, you know, being being a player that's used so much in the return game. Also, you know, he played a ton of quarterback, sort of a triple option type of uh, quarter, a running quarterback. Um, that's why he gets a lot of comparisons to the Randall Cobbs of the world and uh, players like this because he was a player that. You know, he contributed in so many ways, has a lot of athletic gifts, has great open field vision, great speed, but somebody that's definitely more poised to play wide receiver in the NFL. I think that I think that for him, it makes it a little bit difficult not having any of the testing uh, of, available to us. But I think the one that makes it most 
difficult is Tyler Johnson, the uh, the wide receiver out of Minnesota that's so polarizing within the um, within the fantasy community just because of how dominant he has been there from from a market share perspective. Forty one percent of his team's receptions, forty percent of his team's receiving yards, and forty two percent of his team's receiving touchdowns just last season. To the people who are the analytics fans um, there on Twitter, it is. Uh, they think that it's an absolute travesty that he was not invited to the to the Senior Bowl. Um, Jim Nagy this week comes out and says, you know, it wasn't a knock against him. I just invited the best 14 wide receivers there. And it just kind of goes along with a lot with what the NFL is telling us about Tyler Johnson. That's going to be an interesting eval. It reminds you a lot of Hakeem Butler last year when he was getting such love from the dynasty community, the fantasy community. Um and we just saw that the NFL just did not like him as much as uh, as maybe the analytics-minded production folks did. So Tyler Johnson, had he been able to go to his pro day and blaze something really athletic or show up with a big speed score, burst score, agility score, or anything like that, and then once you get these these guys to size adjust that stuff, uh, he could have had a little bit more so, sort of steam from the dynasty community. I'm just not sure how much the NFL really likes that guy, but he was definitely an, an, an interesting uh, pro day to keep an eye on. And then just the two others I wanted to ask you about, just your thoughts on Van Jefferson and James Prochet not being able to test. Van Jefferson was getting talked about at the combine like he, like he, he wanted to run much faster than I would have ever expected. Yeah, from my perspective, it's unfortunate. I mean, we'd like to see times on all these guys but it's you know the guys that you think are fast on film i mean probably not as concerned you know with seeing those guys run and maybe it's safer for the ones that are already fast like what's what's the point it's these guys that are kind of marginal that as scouts we'd really like to see but you know again that they could expose themselves in that in that process so i i guess in some ways um, th- those guys are kind of stigmatized as slower wide receivers. If they believe they really could run faster, then it's at their disadvantage because, like you say, you don't want to double grade these guys. But if you get a Van Jefferson running sub four five, all of a sudden, or, like, so, you yeah, throw your or hands even up sub and four, you say, four five because they they were talking sub four four five. You start to say, whoa, okay. I mean, he's old, but this is something different now, right? This it is can a, make a big difference for a guy like that. I'll tell you what. I mean, if I'm Van Jefferson, I can really run four, four, five. I'm finding a way to run that and put it on tape. <laughs> yeah, right. Just do, just right? do it. Yeah, just have somebody film it. And here's the here's the thing. What 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 the NFL's doing is it's starting to skirt around some of these uh, some of these rules about the visits and everything like that, and and to how how teams can travel. We had the the report from Mike Florio this morning on Pro Football Talk saying that saying that these guys are getting the private jets gassed up. They're getting ready for free agency. Bring these dudes in. Bring probably they're going to probably use them for top thirty visits too. They're not going to expose these guys to commercial flights or you know anything like that. But it seems like it's probably fair if they're not around anybody to go pick them up on a private jet and bring them back to the facility, right? That doesn't really you're not you're not really traveling at that point to, to go take care of this business. Well, and I'll tell you, for as much as the NFL types love the Van Jeffersons and the James Prochets in terms of their route running capability, if they don't if if they're not sure how fast they're gonna run, then of course this is a boon for them because like there there's there's nothing they don't have to put a number out there that's gonna counteract you know, how the NFL feels about those guys, which is that they're polished and, you know, great route runners and can contribute 
early on. So you don't really have to create, they don't have to create that conflict or, you know, make those scouts go, wait a second, I got to go watch this again because this number doesn't reconcile with everything we had, or it's below the threshold that's, you know, typically acceptable. Isn't that what I went on with Cecil Lammy in Denver while I was there. He wanted to have me on for a bit, Alex. And I mean, we got to talking. I mean, the thing with the combine and all this testing is, I mean, at least from my perspective, is it's just I want to see baselines. I want to see that these guys can meet the baselines that are kind of on the, you know, the not the extremes, but on the on the ends of 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 what we would consider viable athletic testing or or measurables, you know, from from the NFL perspective. So it's like I don't need to see you run four four, but I got to make sure that you don't run four seven, right? Yep. Yes. And that was an that 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 could have been. I think James Prochet is like sort of like a Colin Johnson. I'm not sure that he really has the. I'm not sure that the straight line speed would have would have 100 been there. He's he's much more quick than he is fast, right? And because so, once you run a number like that, I mean, it's a precipitous drop yeah. off in your draft stuff. That's where you oh, yeah. go from a day it's two a guy Humphrey. to it's a, it's undrafted. A, it's, well, it's it because it also shows it also shows it's like what's it's like. Um, What's his name? I can't even think of his name at this point. The Georgia kid last year, uh, the Georgia running back, Holyfield, Elijah Holyfield. It's like at oh. some point you get to you get to something where it's like, fuck, that's just that's Great. too slow. It doesn't seem like he's been working out. You know, it's like it just doesn't. It's like when a cornerback when a cornerback comes in and runs like a four six. It's just like it's almost at, at points it could be dis- disqualifying. It, it is. You can't play in the NFL, or at least you can't play in the NFL long or consistently. You will be exposed in a short amount, you know, quickly in the NFL if you don't meet these minimum thresholds of athletic testing and measurable. So that's that's what you're certainly looking for there. And so, yeah, like you say, with a guy like Prochet who might have concerns about that, he could actually be a, a big winner in this process. And you could be a big winner, too, at mybookie.ag. March has arrived, and it's time to score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Now, look, we're not going to be getting any insane buzzer beaters, any huge upsets, or any white-knuckle finishes here to round out the month. But, look, you can bet on almost anything over at mybookie.ag, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election, the name of the next pope. I believe that there's some props on there about if the if the current pope is going to die this year. Things like that. My bookie caters to all players. Whether you uh, whether you are somebody looking to, um, you know, it's just whatever you want. Like they have they have up right now. I'm looking at it right now. They have all kinds of soccer matches, esports, everything like that. So to fill this time, MMA. So to fill this time when we're without sports, hopefully for just a small amount of time, you can bet on like NFL draft futures, any of this stuff. You can join now and start winning big today. So if you're sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for your payout, my bookie pays fast when you win. And with decades of experience, great customer service and hassle-free transactions, why would you bet anywhere else? Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code ROSTER for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code ROSTER. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at mybookie. That is mybookie.ag and use promo code ROSTER for a 50% deposit bonus. Okay, so Byron, I'm actually looking over here at mybookie.ag and these are pretty, these are pretty, uh, pretty, uh, what, what's the word when something's a little bit, what, what does like macabre mean? Macabre. 
You got me there. What does that word mean? I'm trying to think of it with the word like the. Um, I heard about chuka, disturbing and yeah, macabre, like um, disturbing. This is a great word, disturbing and horrifying because of involvement with or depiction of death and injury. Uh, spelled spelled M A C A B R E. So here we go. Let me just ask you a few of these. Who will die first? Charlie Sheen or Magic Johnson? Charlie Sheen is minus 200. Magic Johnson's plus 160. The wager cutoff is the twenty is uh, January 1st of 2021. So if neither die before, then you just get your money back and, and it's a wash. I mean, I would never bet on another human's mortality, but I, I, I guess I'd probably have to go with Charlie Sheen. How about this? How about this group? Because... Um, this is a big group. It feels like this is sort of... Do you know who Roman Polanski is? I've heard the name. It feels like the group here is a group of people who were fe- formerly famous but are now in jail because it includes Harvey Weinstein. Is Subway Jared still in jail? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. I think so. so. I think so. Bill, I, I know Cosby's in jail. Is Woody Allen in jail? He, and Jerry, yeah, he Jerry like Lee a, Lewis? Uh, What was Jerry, what is Jerry Lee Lewis? And I'm trying to figure out what this little cluster of death bets is. Uh, this this very macabre death match. Well, I think it's all sexual about. misconduct. So he so he is in jail. Um, Roman is Polanski jail? is the one that that folks say that Hollywood is protected from uh, facing justice uh, for sexual misconduct. And that he's had enablers, enablers from within that circle who, you know, um, you know, have recently taken a strong stand against that type of behavior. I guess is, uh, from what I understand, this caused some some conflict, some, some acrimony some, amongst some, some some strife and conflict among the various elites. Um, okay, so what do you? So all right, so out of these guys, Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, out of, so it's Bill Cosby is even money to die first. Jerry Lee Lewis, Woody Allen. Then it goes Jerry Lee Lewis, then Woody Allen, then Roman Polanski, then Jerry Sandusky, then Harvey Weinstein, then Subway Jared. Um, I don't, I, see, I don't really know how to pick these. And see, there are some that are kind of weird that I just don't know why they're up here, like Regis Philbin versus Bob Barker or Rosie O'Donnell versus Roseanne Barr. Uh, but you know these are all interesting things that you could you could uh, uh, Trump Trump and Trump and Putin Vladimir P- Putin are both minus minus one twenty. We have one. Uh, does Bill Cosby die in prison? <laughs> minus two fifty. That he uh, minus two fifty for hey 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 plus one sixty five for no. So look, look, there's all you can bet on the rapper to replace Flavor Flav in Public Enemy. Do you know who the odds on favorite for this is? I'm not sure. I know who it is. Do you, do you know who this person is? Adam Adrock Horowitz. Is that Adrock from Beastie Boys? You're the music expert here, Alex. I'm no music expert, but I think that's uh, he's 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 minus two hundred to replace Flava Flav. So plenty plenty that you can uh, still gamble on over there at mybookie.ag. Make sure and use promo code Roster to get that fifty percent deposit bonus. All right, Byron, uh, the new CBA passed through, uh, getting away from this, the celebrity death match here. You have any, do you have any thoughts on it? Are you pumped about 17 games, or are you a, are you a, are you a staunchy old man that, that doesn't like to see these things change? 
Yeah, I'm more on the staunch old man side that doesn't want to see this change. Um, it's rare that you have a product that is almost perfect, but you know I get why it's changing. So I I will just change and adapt with it. I loved the NFL how how it was. I always thought it was basically perfect, you know. But you know, there's an argument. There's an argument for it. It's hard to hard to be too too disappointed about more football. The owners want to make more money. This is a way that they can get some more money to the players potentially as well. So, uh, you know, look, things change in life, right? You just got to get used to it. And someday there will be new records based on. <laughs> just like there was 16 games instead of 14 games, right? And then uh, we'll look back and it'll be a distant memory. I guess some of the highlights here, Alex, is the CBA was approved by a really slim margin, 51.5% to 48.5% uh, vote. Uh, only about 80% of the members of the uh, Players uh, Association who paid dues even voted. I think it was 1,019 to 900, uh, 1,019 yays to 959. It was so much nays, closer than nays. I thought it was going to be. We 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 heard from all the inside sources that the rank and file players were just going to outnumber the uh, we're going to outnumber the big stars in this, and they're going to come out because those rank and file players wanted the minimum min, the minimum salary increase and some of the pension stuff. And it doesn't. I mean, that was a close. That, I mean, they got it by the skin of their teeth. And I really thought it was interesting that DeMarie Smith last night you know, came, out with that, came out with that open letter saying, like, he said, look, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to give advice on whether you should vote for this thing or not. I'm, you know, that's not my job. But one of, the things that we, one of the things that we always think about in these collective bargaining agreements is to protect ourselves during possible economic downturns and, and uh, things that could affect these, these you know, billionaire owners' pocketbooks and – you know they are they're they're not immune to the to the ebbs and flows of the economy and the vicissitudes of certain enemy countries and the rest and so it's kind of seems like what we got on the table right now in case things get a little bit weird with um coronavirus or with the way that the markets will react or continue to react and how that affects the owners and the pocketbooks that we might want to take this deal you know take this deal right now. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how much that helped to swing any, uh, any possible, you know, any possible voters. I was interested to see that, you know, there were, I mean, 2,500 dues paying members. They, I mean, that was at least probably what 400 that, that didn't, that didn't show up to vote 400, 500 of them. 500. I was just like, I can't imagine not voting on something as important as a CBA if I was a professional player, but I guess that's their right. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't have to show up to do it. You know, and you're, of course you're, find plenty of people on social media that are outraged with the way that this stuff has gone down. I see some folks claiming that how broken the system is that essentially half of the players uh, can vote to secure a deal that the other half, you know, are, you know, think is a bad deal. And I thought that was a little bit of a misnomer because I don't think that voting no necessarily means that it was a horrible deal with everything you hate. I just think it means maybe you thought you could get a better deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, right? You know, yep. so it doesn't mean that they, the, the other 48 and a half percent of people that voted no didn't see any benefit or any improvement. It just means that maybe they thought they could have negotiated uh, a better deal somehow, you know, some way, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, it's, it's a deal that's going to be enact, um, through 2030, Alex, uh, 
million dollar salary cap uh, for this season and the players are going to be getting a larger slice of that pie it's going to be going from like a 47 percent share for the players up to 48 48 and a half percent of uh, revenue uh, that'll be the slice of the players pie so that's uh, creeping towards that 50 percent mark uh, getting those guys a little bit more money and as you mentioned alex there's going to be a whole slew of you know moderate contractual benefits to the lower tier guys and to the younger guys you know the general sentiment is that this deal is you know better for you know the average nfl player or the younger nfl player than it is for the uh, big big stars so maybe uh, closing the gap on some disparity there uh, the teams nfl teams will not be permitted to use both the franchise tag and the transition tag under this deal so that the, the example commonly floating around out there right now is you know the cowboys their situation they face with dak prescott and amari cooper whereas if we're still operating under the deal from 2011 uh, they'd be able to tag both of those guys uh, as they continue to negotiate. I believe that would have been this potential situation with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill as well, but we got word coming in that the uh, Titans are nearing a deal uh, with Tannehill. That's kind of coming in right as uh, – not not coincidentally, it's coming in contemporaneously with the news that the CBA – uh, is going to be looks like it'll be ratified there. So uh, that looks like it's off the table in Tennessee now. They don't really have to worry about that. More likely now to turn their attention to negotiating with Derrick Henry or considering using a tag uh, to designate him. Uh, other changes here, Alex. The NFL's playoff field has expanded uh by two teams beginning this year in 2020 each conference will send seven teams to the playoffs therefore there will only be one by allocated per conference only the number one seed in both the afc and nfc will receive the bye week in the playoffs uh just that'll be this year uh, folks so that'll be actually that's going to be really exciting to see those teams duking it out for that number one seed uh, that's going to be just of astronomical value at this point. And then the owners, Alex, are going to have the option to expand the regular season from 16 to 17 games uh, during an option period in this CBA that exists from 2021 to 2023. So the speculation is that 2022 is likely the soonest that we'll see a regular season expand to 17 games. So um that's not something that we'll encounter uh, right away this year like we will the expanded uh playoff field also 53 man rosters are essentially going to become 55 man rosters during the week in the nfl and the game day rosters are going to go from 46 uh to 48 you know so that you know every once in a while we see teams only being able to carry like one quarterback on game day or uh, things of that nature is give give teams a few more spots for some flexibility there uh the nfl will eliminate suspensions for positive marijuana tests under the new collective bargaining agreement training camps will be further restricted in terms of practice schedules padded practices are going to be reduced to 16 padded practices during training camp which is a massive reduction 
I think it's been 28 uh, or over, well over 20 in the past. I think it was 26. Uh, was it? I think it's 10, 10, 10 less is what I or 10, 10 less was sort of a talking point that they had for a while there. I'm not exactly sure, but that will go along right around 10 less. I think 28, 16, probably, probably sounds, something like so, that. Yeah. Sounds like there'll be a five day, some type of five day acclimation period at the beginning of camp to avoid those soft t- tissue injuries that these players, those ailments that they uh, tend to come down with early in camp, uh, the, the kind of the ailments that can really linger for an entire season. So from a fantasy perspective, I don't, I'm not sure that we necessarily mind that. And then it sounds like we're going to get a neutral uh, arbitrator instead of Roger Goodell uh, being the judge and jury with uh, future <laughs> and league discipline and executioner with future <laughs> – uh, league discipline situations, Alex. So those were some of the highlights. Do you know uh, one thing I I might have missed is are we getting the shortened preseason this year to uh, counteract? I don't, it was, I don't know if it's this year, but it, it will be moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm, surely. If they're going to, I I I haven't seen that within the ratified CBA. I'm sure that'll be made available to us at some point. But yeah, if we're going to 17 games, we're going to th- three games in the preseason. There's no way that the players would have you know, agreed to that. So we'll just see. And I don't know if the 17 game starts this season or whether it'll start in 2021. I do believe, or was it that? We'll we'll have to look at it. It's either that doesn't start till 2021 or the addition of the seventh playoff team from each, from each conference doesn't start till 2021, but there's one that won't kick in in 2020. It will kick in. The seven teams in the playoffs come this year. And the first, first, season where the NFL can execute an option on the 17 games is 2021. Okay. However, the rumblings right now are that 2022 is likely the soonest that we'll see a 17 game season. And it's interesting that that option period during this CBA only exists from 2021 to 2023. So if for some reason the NFL doesn't exercise that option during that period, then potentially we're going to still have 16 games all the way through 2030 but uh, i'm sure rational minds will prevail and uh they're going to look at the bottom line and we're going to see more games in short order on i'm not sure i'm I'm not sure the rational minds prevailed here so let me just break the news to you live here on the podcast byron the tennessee titans have uh they 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 have taken advantage of their option to extend quarterback ryan Tannehill. your 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 first thoughts on a four-year deal worth $118 million, $29.5 million per year with $91 million in total guarantees. Congratulations, Ryan Tannehill. Holy shit. That's, uh, that's – I mean, those are – those surely will be palatable numbers uh, relative to the salary cap in years to come. But you know, right now, I mean, that's a big, big boon for Ryan Tannehill. Those are huge. Historically, those are huge numbers. And really, I mean, what was this? What do we get? A half a season of Ryan Tannehill, Alex, where he's throwing the ball less than 18 times a game and, you know, rushing for 30, 40 yards a game. You know, a former failed Miami Dolphin. It's I mean, that's rich, but look, we talked about it all offseason. The Titans are just in a tough spot. They really weren't thrilled. Who would be thrilled about the prospect of having to fork up big cash for Ryan Tannehill and your running back 
Derrick Henry going into what season five, I believe for him. I mean, that's smart football minds from the personnel and salary cap perspective is very apprehensive about moves like that. But I just think that the Titans were in a pickle, man. What what were they going to do? It's almost like they went too far for their own good this last year. And, uh, you know, now it'll be interesting to see, do they just franchise Derrick Henry and wait and see and just use him for what they can? Or, uh, do they determine it's more palatable for the club to just go ahead and lock him up and soothe that relationship and, you know, just, I guess, go full steam ahead with returning last year's, you know, impressive playoff run for another year there in Nashville, man. If you close your eyes, <laughs> if you close your eyes and you can just picture it, you can almost hear the sound way off in the distance. Just a beep, beep, beep. The sound of Clark Hunt getting into a Brinks truck and backing that thing right the fuck up to dump the biggest contract we've ever seen on one Mr. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> 